The man's name is Eric Stomberg. He has a growing internet business called Tenglow Internet. They sell um, Wi-Fi uh, access to different companies. He is a very serious believer. He reads the Bible. He takes it seriously. He was recently reading the book of Ruth, and it, it was impressed upon him the principle of gleaning. There's an Old Testament command that told farmers that they were to leave the margins of their fields unharvested so that the poor and the strangers coming through would have a place to find some food. And he began to ask himself the question, is that just an ancient agricultural principle or could that be applied to today? His company is growing. He was needing more office space. And in finding that office space, he decided to create two new offices that were empty and just add it, in a sense, to his margin. And shortly thereafter, he ran across an organization called Allies Against Slavery, which is a nonprofit group dealing with human trafficking. And he gave them a free office. And then he met a, an Anglican priest who was needing a place to study and to do some counsel and things like this. And so he gave him that space for free. He wondered if this would have a negative impact on his staff because they're all out in cubicles. They didn't have individual offices. But he discovered exactly the opposite, that his staff were absolutely joyous because they felt like coming to work that they were participating in something much bigger than just selling Wi-Fi. And Eric said that it changed my whole vision for the workplace. It changed my understanding of the marketplace and how it can be used for the glory of God. Eric set out to be a blessing, but in turn, he was richly blessed. Today we look at one of the most famous blessings in the Bible. So would you stand with me as we read our passage? Found in the book of Numbers, <clears throat> chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus, or in this way, you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they, Aaron and his sons, put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. In Psalm 67, written some half a millennium later, the psalmist writes, May God be gracious to us, bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. 
Thus let the people praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. And let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity. And you guide nations upon the earth. So let the people praise you, O God. Let them praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. So let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. For thousands of years after Moses recorded this one blessing, it's probably the one thing that we remember the book of Numbers for. Uh, We don't often think of the book of Numbers as our favorite book to read. Um, It it has a lot of numbers in it. But we're all familiar with this, this passage, aren't we? We've heard it countless times. Over thousands of years, in tens of thousands of churches, this blessing is heard week after week. It only has three lines, and it's probably because of its simplicity that it sticks with us. And yet, like so frequently read short, pithy things, this prayer and this blessing can easily, we can easily lose sight of its depth and its power. You see, the idea of blessing is carried forth from the very words of the Bible to begin with. In Genesis, God's words of blessing are found all throughout the Scriptures, all the way to the very last chapter of Revelation. The single most important thing that you would need to know about this prayer blessing is that God not only planned it, initiated it, and wrote it out and commanded Moses to tell the priest, this is how I want you to put my blessing on my people. All from him, all from him. God wanted to bless his people, and so he says, this is what I want you to proclaim. It is the same blessing that God placed on Adam to be fruitful and multiply. It's the same blessing he gave to to Abraham, that I want to bless you and your family, and I want you and your family to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. It is actually the same blessing that Jesus Christ came when he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly or blessed. Jesus said, I have come to bless you with life, all of life. Here in Numbers, God has called out a people that have come from slavery They have come to the mountain in which God called out to Moses and gave Moses the command to go to Egypt to free his people. And God has now created a tabernacle. They have built this tabernacle as a place in which God would dwell in their midst. 
It wasn't simply a place for them to come and worship. It was a place so they could come and see that God was actually there. And it's only by the presence of God that we find any kind of blessing. And so in this Numbers passage, which is somewhat of a repeat of the storyline that is found in Leviticus chapter 9, just as the tabernacle is completed and the very first sacrifices were being offered, here is what is said. Chapter 9, verse 22 of Leviticus. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And that's what he said, what Numbers tells us. And he stepped down after making the sin offering and burnt offering and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting or tabernacle. They came out and blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all of the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their face. I guess so. I would have too. So would you. Because the fire was important. Because it was saying, I accept the offerings you brought for me. And I am confirming that I am blessing you by accepting you because of sacrifice made. God wanted to bless his people in that way. And that blessing was given, the fire affirmed, and we find the people understanding that God himself is in our midst. Now let's look more closely at this blessing that's given to us in numbers that we're all so familiar with. Again, remember the importance, if God gave it, God wrote it out, God planned it, then that must mean every single word has some deeper significance. Because we know the Word of God is eternal. When we go to heaven, the Word of God, there are only two things that go to heaven, the people of God and the Word of God. My, my thinking is we'll still be studying the Bible when we get to heaven. I don't know about you, I don't understand it yet. I'm still trying. I'll probably get up there and say, Lord, could I talk to Isaiah and find out what in the world he meant by chapter 53? And the Lord would say, yeah, get in line. There's about 10,000 others. It'll take about 100 years, but what's your hurry? <clears throat> so there's several things for us to note about this little blessing. First of all, the blessing is threefold. It's just three lines. And many people see this as the first revelation of the Trinity because of how it is phrased. The first lines reflect God the Father as he is expressing his love and his care for his people or his creation. The second line expresses God the Son who is the one who brings the face of God to the earth and the one who dispenses grace to his people. The third line is the Holy Spirit who is the one who creates our fellowship with God in his countenance 
and then brings his peace, which is the peace called shalom. And it's a peace that is different. It's the peace Jesus said, I come to give you my peace. And it is not the peace of this world. Instead, it is a peace that is so great, Paul says, we can't even comprehend it. It's the kind of peace that undergirds you when you're going through the deepest of trial and struggles in your life, and yet you know that there are some arms underneath you. You have peace. It is there. And that's the peace that is promised in this blessing. Now, the blessing is progressive and it's expansive. A, a friend, George Jackson, actually gave this to me recently. The first line in Hebrew only has three words. The second line in the Hebrew has five words. And the third line has seven words. Because that's the way God works. You see, what he begins, he multiplies. What he begins, he expands. The expansion of God's words continue and will continue and continue. In creation, when God said to let there be light, that light is still traveling at the speed of light to this day, bringing light to the darkness of all of the universe. The, please notice the word face is used twice. Face is face and countenance of the face. Face is the idea of pleasure. When you look into the face of someone who loves you, what do you see? You see the presence of another person who cares because they're there. When you look into a, a person who has countenance, what is that countenance? The countenance is how the face is shaped because a person can have a look of displeasure. A person can have a look of anger. A person can have a, a look of sadness. But he says here, notice the word lift, which means the smile. And God smiles because he's pleased with his people. Faith is a beautiful thing. The blessing is loaded with three pairs of verbs in each of the three lines. First is the verb of what God does, and second is the verb of what the result is. The first verb is to bless. The result, how? By keeping us, keeping us. Now, what does that mean? Well, the psalmist tried to expand that for us in Psalm 121, and they state it this way. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains, from where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip, but he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. What he's telling us is, is that we're never out of the watchful eye of God, never. The sun might smite you, the, the, within verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. 
The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evils, and He will keep your soul. Not just your body, but your soul. And then He says, the Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's how God blesses us and keeps us. The second line uses these two words, make and be. The word make, notice the intentionality of it. He will make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. See this intentionality here. You cannot miss the fact that God purposely makes and chooses to shine upon us, and you can't miss the intentionality. God intentionally sent His Son so that we could see what He's like, in a sense, we could see the face of God. And that's what Jesus told His disciples. He said, when you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And He came to give us grace to pour out among us. That's the blessing of, of the personally coming to know the person of God. I grew up in a church, I heard all of the right things. I knew all the facts, I believed them. I believed what my parents told me. I didn't doubt them, but that's what they were, beautiful truths. And it wasn't until I got to the University of Texas, and most of you have heard me say, that great spiritual hotbed. But I say that always because that's what it was to me. It's there that I found the white-hot face of Jesus Christ. It was there that someone explained to me that these beautiful truths were not just beautiful truths, they were a person. And I could know that person. And the challenge was, Jesus said, I come to your heart and I knock at the door of your heart. And if you will open your heart to me, I will come in, I promise. And I will fellowship with you. I will have a relationship with you that is eternal. And that's when I knew there was actually someone who was caring about me. I walked away that day. And I only felt one thing. I felt like a something had been lifted off of me. That's all I know how to explain. And later I would realize that it was just the guilt of my sin. Much more to the story. But you see, this is the blessing. He wants us to know Him personally. Thirdly, lift up that is that loving smile, and the result is peace that is beyond our understanding. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that brings us into this joyous fellowship with this God who is smiling at us because He wants to relate to us. And He then seeks to build into our life this shalom, this deep abiding peace 
that in the midst of all the things that we go through in this fallen, sinful world and the things that affect us in disease and death and sadness and things that we see, He is there in the middle of it with us, and we have peace. Finally, He ends this as not part of the actual prayer, but as a reminder to Aaron. And he says, Aaron, I want you to do this, if you notice the last few words. I want you to do this so that you will put my name on these people. I want my mark on these people. I want them identified with me. I want them to know who I am. I want them to be a part of my family. I want to adopt them and make them my children. I want my name on these people. And then he says, in that way, I will bless them. Notice, the command begins with a blessing and ends with a blessing, because that's his purpose for us. God is the one doing these wonderful, great things for us. So let me ask you, this summer, as we've talked about benedictions and blessings, when we end a sermon and we're ready to finish and we give a benediction, the word bene is good, the word diction is to speak that which is good. Do you go away with a sense of, of peace? Do you go away with a sense of feeling good about what has happened? My friends, it is far more than that. That's why the depth of these truths are so important for us. It is so great. When you realize that God himself told Aaron, this is exactly how I want you to bless the people, there is a much bigger purpose here. It isn't an automatic blessing, okay? It's a blessing that has to be received with humility, that we humble ourselves before God and realize he is the only source of the blessings that we have in this life. Every single thing we have, he's the source of it. We have it because He gave it. To bless is the goodness of God put into action as He supplies His favor to us. And secondly, it isn't magic. A better word would be it's majestic. It's huge. It's enormous. It's not temporal. It's eternal. It's meant to be something that encompasses every single possible thing in our lives. God wants to bless your thought life. He wants you to begin to be able to refrain those runaway thoughts. As Paul writes, bring every thought into captivity under Christ. Take those negative thoughts and turn them into a positive prayer. God wants to bless your work. He wants you to establish those margins. He wants you to add into what you do the blessings that come out to other people. He wants to bless your emotions and give them the, the peace that are real. As he says, be angry, Paul says. Be angry, but don't sin. You see, we, we have emotions. 
God gave them to us. We wouldn't have emotions if, we, if God hadn't given them to us. We do get angry at things, but we don't have to sin because we're putting the truth of God involved in it. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to make it a greenhouse where both parties are helping the other person flourish in every possible way. He wants to bless your singleness so that you get the most out of your singleness that God intended because he wants to bless it and use it while you have it. He wants to bless your parenting. You know, he gives us children to teach us as adults how to grow up. You know, if there were perfect parents, God, our children wouldn't need God, right? So our children show us we aren't perfect. And God wants to bless us through that. It's a process. He wants to bless our pleasures, everything that we enjoy. He wants to pour forth his blessing in everything that we enjoy in this life. And knowing that he is the source in blessing all of these things, and we come to him recognizing, as Jesus said, if you love me because I am providing this abundance of all of life to you, you will obey me. And because you do, more blessings flow. He's promised in the scriptures in very specific places, very specific places, that he has abundant mercy. Aren't there times we need more mercy than others? He has promised that he has abundant provisions. His resources are endless. He's promised that he has abundant kindness, abundant pardon, abundant peace. You, you can't get to the bottom of it. And he wants it to flow, the ever flow, the overflow. That's what he provides for us in this, this blessing. But with the blessing, understand, is the vital power to implement it. He never commands what he doesn't supply. And he's commanded the blessing to happen because he wants to supply it and empower it. Salvation is the primary goal of God's blessing, but you have to realize it's only the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's, it's the blessing that upholds, sustains, and undergirds all of life that God wants us to sense, and it has God's intended word to make it work. This is how he wants his world to work. He wants your world to work. His blessings are so constant that we lose sight of them and how they carry us along every day. Not long ago, I read this book by Ann Voskamp called A Thousand Blessings, in which she was challenged to be more thankful. And so every night she would write down how God had blessed her that day. And hence the title of her book, A Thousand Blessings. So I took the challenge, and nine months later, in this little journal right here, nothing but blessings, I reached 1,000. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> and then the Lord said, you know, that's not really why I wanted you to write those down. 
just so you could get to a thousand. But what I wanted you to realize is that I have touched your life 1,000 times in nine months. Wow. I'm over 3,000 now. I can't wait to see what tomorrow brings. They're so good. So good. Blessing. But there's a greater reason for all the blessings. And it's why we read Psalm 67. It's short. Let me read it to you again. And I'll wrap up. This was written a half a millennium later. God, be gracious to us and bless us. Cause his face to shine upon us. Why? That you, your way, O God, may be known on earth. Your salvation would be known to the nations. So let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad because you judge with uprightness. You are the guide. Let the peoples praise you, God. The earth yields its fruit because God has blessed it. God blesses us. Why? That all the ends of the earth may fear him. You see, we are given blessings so that we may bless. Just five days ago, I returned from a trip in Zambia. Zambia is a nation in which the blessings of God are not utilized, even though, interestingly enough, there is a Christian statement in their very constitution. HIV destroyed an entire generation in that nation and left tens of thousands of orphans, homeless kids, greater poverty, corrupt government, unemployment, amazing, so much struggle. We went there to be a blessing. But instead, God blessed us. We met people there who were so dedicated that they tirelessly seek to raise these children up to a higher level of education because sometimes only one child in a family gets educated. They bring hope to these orphans and abused children. So many of them are abused. Very little care for sense of family. And in some cases, while they're there during the day, the only food they get at the schools may be the only thing they eat the whole day. Breaks your heart. But the thing is, is that these workers there did it with exuberance. They were so joyful. God was doing so much. I went there with 17 others from our church. What a wonderful blessing it was. Some of them, if you're back there and you went, raise your hand back there. There's someone back over here. Be sure and talk with them. Because if you ever get a chance, oh, you need to go. You need to go. Wow. So let me ask you these questions then, lastly. Can you bless the workplace with margins in your fields of work? Can you protect and keep those who are discouraged and down that you meet? 
Can you make the light of Christ shine for people who are facing darkness? One last story. A very famous professor named Dr. George Papandopoulos grew up in Crete, taught all over the Mediterranean. He was well-loved. He taught a famous course on the island of Crete every summer. Hundreds of college students from all over Europe would come to hear him teach. Of course, the beaches in Crete were a pretty good draw, too. But they came, and they came because they loved him. And on the last day, like every good teacher, as you're finishing up, you say, you know, if there are any last questions anybody has, please feel free to ask. And then you start closing your books and stuff. And he said there was a little noise, and he looked up, and right in the middle of the group of these hundreds of students, a little hand came up and said, Dr. Papandopoulos, what is the purpose of life? Well, the response is exactly the way, the way you just responded. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to get out to the beach, you know. Um, and Dr. Palmer says, he said, I can answer that very easily. He reached into his billfold and he pulled out a little broken piece of mirror. And he said, when I was a little boy, during the war, the Nazis came and invaded our island. They sent a group of soldiers out on motorcycles into our little village and they were shooting and killing people but our little village stood up and they beat them back and killed a few of them and the rest of them fled and he said one of the motorcycles crashed over to the side of one of those soldiers that got killed and he said little kids we we watched this thing from up on the hill so he said we ran down there as soon as they were gone and he said I picked up this little piece of mirror. And he said, you know, in class, he said, I would try to catch the light and shine it in the eyes of one of the girls I was interested in. <laughs> and uh, then I realized outside I could shine the sun on some grass and make it sp smoke. And I realized I could shine the light into a little hole and see down in it. And he said, that's how I discovered the purpose of life. He said, you know, I'm not the source of blessing. I'm not the source of the light. But I've been made in the image of God. And that image is for me to shine his light to the needs of this world. That there's a true light. God's command to Aaron, bless the people so that they will be a blessing. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you have provided every single thing that we need. Thank you, Father, that you intend us more good than we've ever dreamed of intending ourselves. Your blessing is meant to overwhelm us so that in our amazement and gratitude, we tell the world, oh, we serve a good God. We serve a great God. We serve a saving God. Come and know him. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name, who makes it possible, we pray. Amen.